Welcome everyone to another episode of Slasher Scotty. I am your host Scotty McCoy, and I have a great guest on the phone. I've been ta- I've been friends with him for quite a number of years, and we'll get into all of that in a little bit. He is the host of Python's Paradise, and he also was an associate producer on multiple projects. His name is Greg Gilbert, and he is on the phone with me right now. Hello, Greg. How are you doing? I'm uh, cleaning right now. I'm one of these essential worker people during this pandemic, but uh, I'm right now in the midst of getting equipment together so I could do my do Python Paradise on a more independent level. And uh, yeah, you've been on my show four years in a row, and next come January, it'll be five years for you. Right. Yep, that that's yeah. exciting. So, like, you, as you mentioned, I've been on your show for, you know, it'll be five times uh, this upcoming, uh, you know, January. So how did you and I actually first meet? Well, we've never met. Or, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> listen, listen uh, I think we connected. I think you had a, a horror page on uh horror film page on facebook at one time there and uh i think it was something to do with lar park lincoln you were doing some kind of uh um birthday tribute or something for her or something and uh and um lar park lincoln of course played telekinetic tina and friday the 13th part seven and uh i ended up getting connected to her because i and she, I guess she either commented on your post or something, but when I um, uh, sent a comment and response or something, she commented. I think it had something to do with me wanting to get her on the show, and she told me how to do it, blah, blah, blah. If I can remember that correctly, I interviewed her in 2016, so the details might be a little shoddy. But uh, yeah, yeah. It's funny because uh, you mentioning that it was it was like a I think it was like um, it was a tribute in my Camp Crystal Lake group. I think it was about like you know Final Girl Friday or something like that. Some, yeah, yeah. And like that. the I know picture you, I know you did one on Melanie Kenneman as well. Yep, yeah, and so I'm, the, uh, a lot more connected with. Yeah. Yes, and the picture I had of uh, of Laura Park Lincoln, she goes. She goes, thank you so much, Scotty, but eek, that's not my body on that head. <laughs> and I'm like, whoopsie. <laughs> but yeah, oh, she's beautiful. <laughs> she is. She really is. And yeah. um, she she was she's a nice person. And uh, I remember like it was yesterday because I wrote a couple of books and you wanted to get me on your show for the first time. And I just finished work and I was driving home and you ended up uh, messaging me, asking me uh, if I wanted to do an interview. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm driving. I can't answer him right now. And I was like all panicky. I'm like I, it was like an hour drive away and everything. And I was like all panicky. But eventually I messaged you and the rest is history. Like been on the show five times and i mean we've been good friends ever since we talk not every day but you know as much as i possibly can being busy with work and everything well here's the thing with me and this is not a shot against you yeah. a lot of people would not think to interview you right because your your name's not above the latest horror films right me on the other hand i like interviewing the big people yes mm-hmm. like lar park lincoln 
But I also, I, I like to do interviews where I think I can find a story. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I've had you on for, and coming up five years, come January 5, says something about what you're doing and what I don't think people pay attention to. Right. And uh, sometimes it amazes me which ones of my interviews get a lot of views and which ones don't. Sometimes mm-hmm. interviews I've done that I think are going to go skyrocket don't, and then some of them that I don't think are going to do much end up being uh, ones that get shared out by the guest and do yeah. really well. So it's hit or miss, and, and uh, either way, it doesn't bother me. Exactly, and I mean, and thanks to you, like I've noticed you know an increase in my book sales and i've noticed you know people you know buying my movie and all that stuff because of getting the publicity it's free publicity and if you have like three people that listen to it then those three people are going to share it to their friends which will get shared to their friends and the old fashioned that's where the old fashioned word of mouth gets thrown out you know gets thrown around yep so uh talk, speak, right. speaking of your podcast tell us a little bit about it well, I've been reviewing movies since 1996. Like, I grew up loving movies. My parents used to take my brothers and I to the drive-in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, I remember five years old, we saw Pete's Dragon at the drive-in. And we'd see, you know, we saw the Star Wars trilogy, E.T., Raiders of the Lost Ark, a bunch of stuff like that. And uh, I always, like, when I was in school... I had a t- attention deficit, mm-hmm. so I I couldn't pay attention. I was always daydreaming about movies I watched, <laughs> and of course, why not? What's right. math got that's got? <laughs> what's <laughs> math got that's got enhance the imagination? But nonetheless, um, as I got older, you know, I I used to write stories a lot, mm-hmm. and I kind of stopped doing that because. I wanted to get into film criticism, and uh, in 1996, I started reviewing movies, and I still do that, mm. but uh, I don't really publish them anywhere, really, because uh, I kind of got a niche with uh, Python's Paradise, but I was writing film reviews since 1996, and in 2005, my best friend, who uh, Colin, uh, who's from the... Uh, film co-op here he and i've been friends since 2002 and uh and still friends Mm -hmm. and uh he suggested that i go down to chsr which is the campus radio station here he said they do all kinds of different stuff because I hate listening to the radio because I can't stand listening to the same frigging songs over and over <laughs> and over again, you know? Yeah. That's how songs start to die. But I went down there, and I, well, first I called, and uh, the program director answered, and and she said that I pitched to her about doing a film critic show, and she was quite taken. She was like, we don't. We never had a film critic before, so I, I brought my reviews down and showed them to her, and she was quite impressed. Mm-hmm. I had this big, thick at the time, big thick book of reviews, and she. Uh, they trained me, and I did a film and music show, and and uh, I did it like that until 
for 10 years, and then come 2015, I ended up turning it into a podcast. Um, how that came about, I had an acquaintance that I'm no longer affiliated with, mm-hmm. but um, he ended up with, through Rift Tracks, an interview with Tommy Wiseau from The Room. Mm-hmm. And he told me about it, but he had nowhere to record it. Like, I said, where are you going to do this? Is like, it, are you just going to talk to the guy on the phone? I said, let's do this on the radio. We've got the outlet right, he, right here. Mm-hmm. So we decided to do that. And I remember that night doing the Tommy Wiseau interview. Our program director was in the other room helping us get set up for it. And remember when Tommy Wiseau got on the phone, I could see the program director looking in the window at us from the Studio A like, who the heck are you guys talking to? (laughs) (laughs) And it's amazing, Tommy Wiseau, after the interview, like it was so cool to interview that guy. And And when it was done, it was like, who else can I do this again? Because frankly, had it stopped with Tommy Wiseau, I would have been one and done and fine. It's like, okay, that was a great experience. Go back to normal. Right. But I remember my mind went back to my childhood. I had an uncle that owned a video store, and I used to see a lot of movies I wasn't supposed to see, like horror films. Mm-hmm. And I thought, my first reaction is, there's a whole lot of women I had crushes on growing up through these movies. I wonder if I could get some of them to talk to me, you know? Right. <laughs> and I remember going, sitting, I was up with my brothers, and I was, uh, he was on his computer, and I was on his now wife's computer. And uh, I went on Facebook, and I sent a message to Adrian King from Friday the 13th. And I always thought Adrian, who played Alice, I always found her attractive. Mm-hmm. There was something very down-to-earth attractive about her. And I always liked her. And uh, I pitched I pitched uh, the interview idea to her. And the other person I pitched it to was somebody who is now a very, very, very good friend of mine. And that is Lisa Langlois from class of 1984 Mm -hmm. she played she played patsy from the gang and uh yeah i knew these movies well and i thought what girls do i want to talk to and um it's funny because it was on the long weekend in may and i didn't think anything was going to happen you know i was like yeah, it was a great experience. Excuse me. <laughs> I a plexiglass here. Anyway, um, I uh, didn't think anything was going to happen. I was like, oh, I got a great experience interviewing Tommy. But that Monday or Tuesday, I got a response from Adrian King. And I just leaned back in my chair like <laughs> she said yes. Nice. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I'm going to talk to this woman that I always had a thing for in that movie, you know? Right. And uh, I was like, this is amazing. And uh, Lisa Langlois also eventually got back to me, and uh, 
she was happy to do the interview and but she gave me her manager's uh contact info and i made the arrangements through him and uh yeah lisa's been on twice and she's responsible for my first convention so nice he and i talk quite regularly so that's kind of how it went and there's a few things i kind of uh segued into too because um a lot of times, I, I I also found out that I could do tribute interviews. Right. You know? Yeah. Because um, I wanted to do something with the movie Miss 45, the Abel Ferreira movie from 1981. Because I was, at speaking of women, I was fascinated with the way Tamerlick Lund, mm-hmm. the heroine in the film, or the anti-heroine in the film. And... Um, when I got, because she passed, actually, she died of a drug overdose in 1999. And it was sad because I was searching to get her autograph at that time. And it's like, oh, I missed her. And, mm-hmm. um, but when I found out I could do these interviews, I was like, I reached out on her webpage to see if I could get her widow. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only did her widow, Robert Lund, come on. He's been on my show four times now, and um, the interview I did, the first tribute interview on Zoe, is my most listened to interview right now, and uh, all four of them are very well listened to. People are just fascinated with her. It blows his mind, and it blows my mind. Right. But um, I found out that I could do that and allow some of these people that I can't interview to be part of the show Mm -hmm. like Alfred Hitchcock's granddaughter that was the first time those people from the station looked at me like they were surprised (laughs) at an interview you know they they asked me how did you get Alfred Hitchcock's granddaughter Mm -hmm. got her off Twitter and uh, I couldn't interview Alfred Hitchcock but I was like I could do something like that yeah and uh, make him part of the show and also, it's fun for the family member. I had that was a fun interview. Audrey Hepburn's eldest son came on the show out of Rome, Italy. That was fun. Um, I did a couple on Ray Harryhausen, nice. somebody that worked very closely with him. Nice. And uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper's son and daughter come on the show because I hate where wrestling is gone, and I mm-hmm. that was the closest I came to crying at a celebrity death was when Piper passed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like Bella Lugosi Jr., Sarah Karloff, people like that came on. Right. So I was able to segue into uh, into areas that not a lot of people were doing. Mm-hmm. And it yeah, allowed me to talk about those artists. Right. And it made sense. It made sense because a lot of those, like Sarah Karloff and... Bella Lugosi Jr. Mm-hmm. and Victoria Price, they will do the cons mm-hmm. and they and still uh, meet the fans of their father. Mm-hmm. 
So I think that is fantastic. I know that's a long-winded answer, but <laughs> I knew it was going to be. Yeah, well, it's a good one, too. It, it dives into your show, and it dives into your interviews and how it all started and, you know, all the tribute interviews, which is amazing because, like, people want to hear about, you know, um, about Boris Karloff or about, you know, Bella Lugosi or Rowdy Rowdy Piper, and they can't hear them because they're no longer with us. So what better way to get into their life than through their either significant other that is surviving them or their children, you know what I mean? Some Somebody that is close to them that would be able to, you know, give them the answer that, you know, give the fans what they want about the life of their loved one. Let their legacy live on. Well, it, it wasn't until my 10th interview, and I did 20 in 2015, mm-hmm. and boy, has it ever blown up because I think the most I've done in a year is 128 nice. in 2017. But that first year when I did 20, it wasn't until my 10th, and that was Melanie Kinnaman. It wasn't until I interviewed her where I kind of leaned back in my chair, and it was the first time where I was like, I asked everything I wanted to ask. And mm-hmm. I, the first time I felt, you know, I, I, I think I can, I'm really getting good at this. Right, right. You know? Yeah. And now I'm a lot more confident with it. I'd like to get back to it. COVID kind of screwed it up, but yep. I'm working on it. Right, which, I'm working on which it. leads me to my next question. We know that COVID-19 has hit the world and obviously shut down a lot of places, including your podcast. We talked about that. So do you have any plans on getting set up again? And if so, when? And any guests that, will be on, that we can be on the lookout for when you return to interviewing? I never announce guests before I do them. And right. there's a reason why. Um, because um, I like to think if something happens, they have to cancel. Right. I'll give you an example. I was supposed to have the daughter of, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Lou Costello on, mm-hmm. of Abbott and Costello fame. Yeah. And um, she ended up having to cancel due to COVID because she, I think she works in tra- as a travel agent. Mm-hmm. I believe so. Anyway. She had to cancel. Now, I can tell people I'm going to have Lou Costello's daughter on, but in reality, I, that didn't happen. Right. Now, she's happy to come on whenever this clears up, but I don't know when that will be. Right. But So I never announce guests. Now, I am going to tell you this. My former station manager, Tristan, wonderful woman, she uh, gave me advice early. She said, when you do interviews, don't post them right away. Right. Save them for a rainy day. And boy, <laughs> that rainy day turned out to be COVID. <laughs> I have a thing. Yeah. Uh, well, I've done, as of right now, as we're talking to you, I did 30 interviews in 2020. Right. And unfortunately... Um, due to the station being uh, closed up, I'm not able to. Uh, I'm just going to close the door here. Anyway, due to the station being uh, closed up, I haven't been able to do any more. Right. Now that would be havoc for other people because I have. They've had to play reruns of my show because I'm not that tech savvy. Mm-hmm. So for. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm not that tech savvy, so I haven't been down there to even do my show. Right. But one of the things that that Tristan has told me, she said, say stuff for a rainy day. So I put a new interview up every five days, and as of, I'm talking to you right now, I have done I have done 384 interviews. Right. Yep. Nice. Now. I've only got, I think, 315 or 16 or something like that right. up online. So there's a, I had somebody, it was another podcaster said this to me one time. He goes, we have to wait a year before we get to re- hear the interview. Well, I always send the interview to the person in question first. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So they get to hear it. But... The fact that, like right now, I could go all next year if I put one up every five days on YouTube. I could just as easily go next year and not have to put anything new up at all. Right. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't have to do any interviews, but I just want to get back at it because it's fun. Right. But I was able to, uh, I I just kept thinking back at Tristan when she said, or Tristan, excuse me, she goes, say some for a rainy day. Well, mm-hmm. I've got plenty of interviews to put up on YouTube because you'll notice I date them yep. when I put them on the episode. I date when I did them. Right. And every one I'm putting up right now is 2019. Nice. So I've got 30 from 2020. But right now I'm in September 2019, the stuff I'm putting up. Okay. So, yeah. So I have Tristan to thank for that because had she not said that to me, I probably would have been putting them up and then I would have been frustrated right now. Right. So, yeah, I think it's actually the smart thing to do Mm -hmm. is to do them that way. Right. So, yeah. So here's a uh, a difficult question you might have to answer. I'm not going to say the best, but who was the most interesting guest that you had to interview? Oh my goodness, that is a hard question. (laughs) Most interesting guest? I don't want to say best because that would make people feel bad if you say, you know, somebody's best, but there might be somebody's stories that might be more interesting that you you enjoy to hear. I'm going to tell you one that stands out. I did four, as I mentioned earlier, I did four tribute interviews on Zoe Tamerlis Lund Mm -hmm. from Miss 45. Right. And uh, the stories that Robert Lund shared about Zoe, they... They were right on, like, I, I, I'm going to tell you, he really shared some stuff. (laughs) Like, some people will answer a basic question, Mm -hmm. and then there's some people that really, they, they, uh. They give you the juice. Yeah, and uh, (laughs) he really, all four of those tributes were great, and I'm still in touch with Robert, and uh, he even sent me, um some uh handwritten stuff from zoe's diary okay it was so it was you know so i'd have some something that was in her handwriting but those four tributes i'm extremely proud of nice because you know i i get to find out 
about this woman I was fascinated with. I discovered Miss 45 through the movie, the documentary Terror in the Isles. Mm-hmm. And I saw clips from that movie, and it, I don't know, Zoe fascinated me. And I was like, when I discovered that I was able to do this podcast, it was like, mm-hmm. I really... <laughs> right. I was, that became my first tribute interview, and um, I'm very proud of that. Um, Ralph Bakshi, the director and animator of Fritz the Cat, mm-hmm. I had him on twice. That was an interesting experience. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my goodness. Tribute interviews in general are interesting. Uh, like I said, Hitchcock's granddaughter was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's people that I love it when people, and I never go digging for dirt but sometimes it's how great when somebody just comes out and says what they really feel Princess jim victoria Wynorski, jim Wynorski, the director of uh chopping mall mm-hmm. he did not hold back and how he felt about certain people mm-hmm. um princess victoria the yeah. wrestler she did not hold back and, and that's my longest interview to date right now as um Princess Victoria, she did not hold back and mm-hmm. what she thought of Vince McMahon, uh, the fabulous Mulan, and the WWE, and she had to be right to. It's great when you get people that are willing to. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not the I'm not uh, the media going. Oh, can you share share any dirt? I'm not looking for dirt. I just want to have a conversation, a recorded conversation. Right. But some people come locked and loaded, and yeah, they will <laughs> say this, they'll say that, and they won't hold back. And yeah. uh, those are always a lot of fun. Right. And of course, Lisa Langwa, of course, I've interviewed her twice. She's wonderful and uh, mm-hmm. opened up a whole new world for me, and her interviews were fun as well. I could go on and on, on, Scotty, about right. <laughs> uh, great interviews. I mean... I know there's some I'm not even thinking of, you know, yep. but, but uh, yeah. if every year has uh, people yep. that that are really interesting, you know, that, right. yeah, there's a lot of achievement, achievements in there. Nice. So, uh, mm-hmm. so what type of, so I know you're associate producer and on a number of projects. So what are those projects and how did you get involved with them projects? You know what? It's interesting. Since starting, I got backtrack here because since starting the podcast, it wasn't until 2017 mm-hmm. I went to my first con. Now you got to remember, I lived in New Brunswick my whole life. Mm-hmm. I'm 48 years old. In 2017, like I never, I never ever planned to get on a plane. Mm-hmm. Never planned to do any of that stuff. Right. And I had interviewed Lisa Langwa on her, uh, for the second time in 2017, and she mm-hmm. asked me what's stopping me. And then she had mentioned that she is doing Horrorama in Toronto, which is run and operated by Chris Alexander and Louis Therese. Right. Chris Alexander of Fangoria fame and Louis Therese of Suspect Video. Mm-hmm. And um, I couldn't say no, and it changed that part of me i mm-hmm. finally got on a plane and it didn't bother me and i saw a whole new world outside new brunswick and boy i fell in love with toronto mm-hmm. and i got to know lisa on a 
deep friendship level that I've now gotten to know some of my other guests on a friendship level as well. Right. But she and I are still in touch. And the reason I bring that up is because it segue into other things opening up for me. Mm -hmm. And one of those things was 13 Fanboy. Yeah. Now, Debbie Sue Voorhees, who, of course, was Tina in Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning, Mm -hmm. she... uh, She's been on my show four times, mm-hmm. and she's a delight. <laughs> Debbie Sue's a delight, <laughs> and uh, I wanted to have her on for a fifth time this year, but COVID. But I am uh, I am going to reach out to her next year. We're going to do more thirteen fanboy stuff. But mm-hmm. I think it was on the third interview that she had done with me that she had announced 13 fanboy and she had mentioned some of the people she was going to be having in it. Of course, at the time, Tom Matthews was going to be in it, but he had since left the project and Adrian King had left the project, uh, not over disgruntled reasons. It was other scheduling and, uh, stuff like that, Mm -hmm. you know, that I'm not going to get into right now in detail, but, but, um, but I remember when she she had started reading off the names of people that were attached, she mentioned Tracy Savage from part three. <laughs> and I had a big crush on Tracy, and uh, I'm looking to get her on the show for a third time, and she's open for it. But the moment that she had mentioned Tracy Savage, I was like, okay, lock me in. And <laughs> I didn't tell anybody that I was going to do this. I was like, because um, I knew people in my family probably talked me out of it. Now, at the time, the co-producer, uh, Perk, on the Indiegogo campaign, it was in the three digits. Mm-hmm. It's now in the four uh, it's now in the four digits. But at the time, it was cheaper, and uh, I decided I was going to go for co-producer. Right. And um, I... Uh, and it was like, wow. And my brother... My younger brother, who is now, is also my manager, my tech guy, he said at the time he would have talked me out of it, but now looking in hindsight, he said he's glad I did it. Right. Because he said, man, he said this could segue into something. And that's kind of how I think of it. Mm-hmm. But um, I, um, I got involved with that, and then after that, like I'm involved in a lot of Friday the 13th projects. Um, the next project was Hearts of Darkness, the making of the final Friday right? through uh, Adam Marcus. And uh, it's directed by Edwin uh, Samuelson. And um, what's interesting about that project, I'm only associate producer on that, but... What I'm discovering through 13 Fanboy and Hearts of Darkness is this little family bond mm-hmm. that is forming. Like through 13 Fanboy, I got to know Jason Bradford. I got to know Noelle Berger. I got to know Troy Elke. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are not stars, but yeah. I've had them on the show because they're amazing people. Mm-hmm. And with with heart with hearts of darkness adam marcus would do these uh facebook lies and he would always do them with ali rivera 
And boy, and Bobby Heckman's the same way. We just fell in love with Ali Rivera. Right. And I can see why Adam Marcus brought her on because she's got such a festive, uh, catchy personality, you know? Right. Yep. And, and I always say to Adam Marcus, you know, give her cheek pinches, give Allie cheek pinches, because it's my way of saying this girl is so cute, and I don't mean that in a romantic, lustful way. <laughs> I mean, like, the way I would think my cat is cute, Right. you know? She's so cute, you just want to reach out and give her a cheek pinch, and of course, <laughs> there's still photos <laughs> online of Adam Marcus cheek pinching her, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. But I've noticed this little small community forming where I got to know some of these really interesting characters yep. from these films that aren't stars, but man, I like these people. Yep. And then, of course, Bobby Heckman. Um, I'm co-producer on Victim No More. Mm -hmm. um, I signed an NDA on that, but I will say this. It is a Friday the 13th film. Um, the only thing I can say, Jill Whitlow will, will be in it from Night of the Creeps because he announced her. I can't say the other people that are involved with it because mm -hmm. I signed an, N an NDA. That's fine, But yeah. I'll say this. I'll say this, though. It's going to have some names, in it, especially from Friday the 13th uh, territory, that people are going to want to see. Nice. How I, come, how I come to know Bobby is uh, I reached out to get somebody on the show. And I knew Bobby Heckman managed this person. And uh, his response to me was wonderful. He said, you know, this person is very, very, very busy mm -hmm. and is not going to be able to do this. But he was so encouraging of me. So when Victim No More came out, I, I remembered that right. because I've had one or two managers or agents who's been very condescending to me. Right. You know? Yeah. Like when I get some, somebody that is upset because I connected with, uh, got a lot of my interviews through Facebook, they get condescending because I was supposed to go through management. I'm like, no, if they got a Facebook page or a web page and they respond to it, then so be it. Right. But I've had I've had one or two of these manager folks that were condescending to me. Mm -hmm. Bobby Heckman was not condescending; he was encouraging. Right. And I remembered that. So uh, and he and I uh, have been in touch ever since. And and that person I wanted to get on my show, he's eventually going to throw that person my way. Mm -hmm. But that person I do know is very busy because I come to find out who that person's married to and and <laughs> uh, their their position in the whole thick of the entertainment industry. Right. And I'm like, okay, I can see why this person's mm -hmm. uh, very busy. He wasn't brushing me off. <laughs> but Bobby, because he was such a professional, I said, yeah. So I'm a co-producer on his project. Right. And... Uh, victim no more and he he wanted to shoot that this year for the 40th anniversary of friday the 13th but you know covid happened yeah but i i said to bobby i said don't worry because next year 2021 is going to be the 40th anniversary of friday the 13th part two and 
technically that's when Jason starts killing. So right, <laughs> exactly. Then he never thought of it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I got that, and um, I'm involved with uh, associate producer uh, of *The Dead End*, which is a zombie film that's going to have. Uh, uh, I think Felissa Rose involved with it, and among others, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know Gina B. Barassi, mm-hmm. and um, I'm a co-producer on Social Distance, which has played online, but I've not yet seen it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I got involved with that because Vernon Wells, a road warrior, is in it, and uh, I met him at Horrorama, mm-hmm. and. He was on my show in uh, 2018. I yeah, the 2018. Very nice guy. Plays mm-hmm. a lot of villains, but gentleman guy. Right. And um, yeah. And uh, other than that, I'm not an actor. Uh, I couldn't act to save my life, but I do <laughs> cameo in nine James Belsamo movies. Okay. Now, how how that came about? I was connected. Through a guy named Steve Joyner, I was connected with Gina Vivarossi. Gina Vivarossi's been on my show twice, okay. and I plan to have her on again because she's amazing. But I noticed when I was interviewing her and going through her credits, she was, I noticed the name James Balsamo and a lot of her credits. She had done so many movies with him. Mm-hmm. And so uh, after the interview, I was thinking, I should get James Balsamo on. Mm-hmm. James is an interesting guy. He goes to conventions, mm-hmm. and he, you know, signs autographs and stuff. But he goes to the people that are guests there, and he asks them to do a cameo in his films. <laughs> and he's had some amazing luck with this. His films are very, very low budget. They're not going to win an Oscar for uh, for Rick Baker effects, although he has does have Joe Castro involved with It Wants Blood, and that's a plus because he's amazing. Mm-hmm. But I remember one night I was working. I was working the night shift, and it was 4 in the morning, and I was having my lunch, and I get this message from James Balsamo asking me if I wanted to shoot my own death scene on my phone and send it to him for cool as hell, too. I stared at that for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> because he, well, he had Tom Savini in Cool as Hell for like 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cool as Hell 2 has Linnea Quigley in it, who I've interviewed and I've met. And uh, Michael Berryman's in it, and uh, various people. And I phoned him up because he was four hours behind me. It would have been midnight his time. I knew he'd be up. Mm-hmm. And uh, he answered the phone. <laughs> I said, James, first off, I wanted to know why he wanted me to act in it, because I'm not an actor. He said he just he enjoyed doing my podcast, and I was like, he sold me right there. <laughs> and looking looking at his films, I don't have to give a good performance, mm-hmm. because James doesn't give a good performance. But it doesn't matter, because James is having fun. Mm-hmm. James is not out to win an Oscar. James is out to have an experience. He's out to have fun. Mm-hmm. That's why he associates with Lloyd Kaufman and people from Trauma. And uh, James is an amazing guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm honored he asked me. Yep. So I looked at the trailer for it, and I saw a clip of Linnea Quigley doing a little dance 
and it gave me an idea of what I wanted to do for my death scene. And I got, I went to my brother's apartment. And, um, he filmed my scene on my phone, and we sent it to Acid uh, uh, Bath Productions, which is James Balsamo's uh, production company. Mm-hmm. Sent it to him. He spliced it into the movie. Right. And then he asked me if I would do two cameo scenes and It Wants Blood. Right. Now, the catch here was he said my scene would be watched on a television by Eric Roberts. Oh, nice. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I'll do it. I'm in a movie with Eric Roberts, in a scene with Eric Roberts, and I didn't even have to leave Fredericton. (laughs) And the way he edited it, he gives an interesting uh, reaction to my particular uh, TV comment. (laughs) But uh, it was pretty amazing, and I've done, so far I've done nine cameos, nine of his films. Nice. And... uh, I've done various different things with those, and I've had fun with it. So Mm -hmm. James was a pretty interesting guy, and I I hope to do more with him. Right. But, you know, COVID and finances and stuff kind of puts a halt on that, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Again, a (laughs) long-winded answer, (laughs) but... uh, (laughs) Right. Well, that was technically I asked two of my questions in one question. So, I mean, I I think it went really well because you covered all the projects and what they're like, you know what I mean, and how you got involved with them and what they're kind of about. And that, you know, that's what, you know, the show is about. We want viewers to know about these other projects. I mean, like you mentioned, Noelle Berger, Troy Elke. I interviewed Troy Elke. I haven't interviewed Noelle Berger, but I met Noelle Berger. I met Bobby Heckman both at um, at a uh, Creature Feature event. That my company was at, and oh my god, they were amazing. It was funny because I was I was looking for Noelle, and I haven't I didn't know if she was coming up or not. And I was talking to somebody about Noelle, and she's like, "You mean me?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, Noelle!" And then I asked her if Bobby Heckman was here. I heard he was supposed to be here with Victim No More, and he, she sent me his way. And I messaged him, and I'm like, "Hey, you're on my Facebook. We spoke a little bit." And he's like, "Yeah, I remember you." You're you're doing that uh that indie film out in Pennsylvania that uh in uh, Northeast Pennsylvania, right? I'm like, yeah, that's me. And he's like, and he's like, here, have a victim no more poster, free of charge on me. And I'm like, you're so awesome. And I would love oh, to. Yeah. I, I want to interview. Yeah, and I want to interview him, but I'm not gonna interview him until after Victim No More releases, because I want him to be able to actually discuss things that aren't public yet. You know what I mean? That when it is public knowledge, he'll be able to discuss. For example, oh, who, yeah. this, who the stars that, you know, are tight-lipped on, who are they, and, like, how they get involved with the project, you know what I mean? I know how they got involved with the project, but, uh, yeah. again, <laughs> I won't go right. into it. Exactly. But, so, which, but, uh, yep. yeah. Yeah, so which celebrity would you like to interview that you haven't interviewed yet? Well, that's an interesting question because, uh, you could go fantasy or you can go reality. Right. Fantasy, I have a huge crush on Emma Stone. Right. <laughs> Ever since Superbad. <laughs> and Emma Stone never ceases to impress me. I mean, she's not just, some, she's not just a good-looking uh, woman to watch. She's always interesting. Right. But I doubt very seriously... 
I think that's too loud. Yeah, it's vacuum clean. Okay, I'll wait and do that after. Um, <laughs> but the uh, thing is, you know, she never ceases to be interesting. I would have to be podcasting for years. Mm-hmm maybe a decade or so before I could get somebody like Emma Stone. That may never happen. Right. Howard Stern uh, is somebody I deeply admire, mm-hmm. but he didn't get sh- I don't think he got Sean Penn on his show until 2020. Right. And of course it was through video because of the virus, but, but it took a long time for people to see past uh, what they viewed of Howard, mm-hmm. you know, people saw him as obscene and and gross, and people started looking past that and seeing a very sensible person. I mean, the guy is a photographer, he's an artist, mm-hmm. he helps the North Shore Animal League, there's so many layers yep. to Howard Stern, and I think people were starting to see that. Mm-hmm. Now, now, with... Uh, me, it would probably. I, I, I'm going I'm to be frank. I'll probably never get Emma Stone on the show. Right. And I'm not saying that to down myself. I'm just being realistic. Right. But I like. But I like Emma Stone. But right. in terms of people, I could take aim at. Well, one person I would love to interview is Nancy Allen. Okay. I love Dress to Kill. I loved her in In fact, she's one of the big things I loved in the movie. I love Brian De Palma, but uh, Nancy Ellen, to me, makes that movie. I have been in talks with her, and I've been put in touch with her. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the, the COVID happened, and uh, station got shut down. But, right. But um, she's somebody that I'm working on, and I... I and I could say right now she's open to it. It's just a matter of when. Right. Um, Lynn Lurie is somebody I want to interview. Mm-hmm. I met her at Horrorama 2018. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I had ever pitched my show to somebody at a convention. Mm-hmm. And they gave me their phone number right there. Nice. Sometimes they'll give me a card, like Vernon Wells gave me his business card, and I mm-hmm. had the number to call and stuff like that, and all the contact. But um, that's really trustful, too, because right. I don't know if I was in her shoes, if I would have gave me her number. Of course, mm-hmm. I'm not a stalker or crazy, but um, <laughs> right. But uh, I've got four films signed by her, and I've kept in touch, nice. and yeah, she's interested to do my show. We just haven't gotten around to doing it yet, but uh, she's definitely open to it. Mm-hmm. Um, who else do I want to interview? PJ Souls, I would love to interview. That would be great, yeah. That would be big. <laughs> I, love P- I love PJ Souls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, but I got a few people I interviewed just this year that I sought out. Right. Like, I got Stan- I got Sandy Johnson from Halloween, you know? Yeah. She's somebody I wanted to interview. I got her this year. Mm-hmm. I got Tony Basil, who sang the song Oh Mickey. Right. And I was so happy to get her, you know? Right. Um, we just lost Daria Nicolodi of uh, Deep Red. I heard about that, yeah. And I had her on my show in February. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was so lucky to get her. And she turned me down the first time mm-hmm. I reached out to her, and that was 2016. Mm-hmm. 
she had turned me down because she had done seven films for Argento and she didn't want to keep going over that. Yeah. So I let it go. But what happened was last year at Horrorama, I had met Lambert Obama, who did the Demon film. He also did one film with Daria. Now, Lamberto's father is Mario Baba, mm-hmm. who did, you know, Twitch of the Death Nerve and uh, Blood and Black Lace and movies like that. Right. Well, his last film was called Shock, and it had Daria Nicolodi in it. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to her for the 45th anniversary of Deep Red, but I brought the Babas up. Mm-hmm. Now, she actually tweeted to me in a message that, and I quote, this interview will likely not happen, but I indulged her. Right. And I pitched to her what I wanted to do. She said she'd do the interview on two, on two, uh, uh, for two reasons. She, she would do on, and she said, uh, one, she wanted to talk about Mario Baba, which I'm totally open to. Right. And two, who she wanted to talk about her daughter, Asia Argento. Mm-hmm. And I said, absolutely. And I had her on in February, and we did talk about Deep Red and Suspiria and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. we talked about the other stuff. And by the end of it, you know, she said she was happy she had done the interview. Yeah. And it felt so good. It yeah. felt so good. It was a similar experience with Ralph Bakshi whoever first turned me down he ended up doing my show twice right nice yeah so um i don't know there's lots of people i would like to interview um right. they're not coming to mind right now mm-hmm. but uh but um i don't know there's a few a few anyway you know right. pj souls you know nancy allen yeah you know they come to mind people right. like that I'll probably think of more after we've, we're done talking. <laughs> so what is your yeah. most embarrassing moment when interviewing somebody? I've never had really an embarrassing moment. I did discover earlier, early on, I can't, I can't really have a co-host. Right. Um, but I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> but uh, but um, I've learned a lot since I started. Like, uh, I remember interviewing Dick Warlock, and he was a great guy. Mm-hmm. He played Michael Myers in Halloween too. And I asked a question that I really shouldn't have asked. I asked him how he got the role in Halloween, uh, Michael Myers in Halloween too. And I could tell the question disappointed him, and I don't blame him. He's been asked that a million times, and he said to me, haven't you read my website? <laughs> and I, ha- I had to try to... Uh, uh, merge through that and uh, get the response without I was like we. I had a good interview out of him but it was like today I probably wouldn't ask that question Yeah. but you gotta remember 2016 it was my second year doing an interview Right. I've been doing it now for what five years yeah so I think I've gotten better because I remember Ralph Bakshi mm-hmm. had said to me, and <clears throat> this is one of the biggest compliments I ever got as an interview. When I interviewed Ralph Bakshi, mm-hmm. he originally, you know, turned me down. 
because a project fell through that he wanted to raise money for. Mm -hmm. And um, Bakshi had said, uh, when I finally got him on, Right. I think he kind. I think he kind of did it reluctantly, but he was trying to be polite. Right. But by the end of the interview, he had said to me, "This is what he said." He's been interviewed by a lot of people. But he said this is one of the best interviews he had ever done. Nice. And that's right there in the interview. And he said to me, "He said I asked the right questions. Right. Good questions and the right questions. Mm-hmm. And I was very proud of that. And I had him on again. And um. That's awesome. Moments like that I'm proud of, and I right. think, and again, the Dick Warlock movie, uh, review was great, but there's areas where I've improved since. Right. Now, some things I know, I just got a, somebody responded to a, put a comment on one of my interviews tonight saying that the feedback on the mic was uh, really bad. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know how to deal with that. And that was at the station, and I was the only one in there. I've got a few interviews that's got a little bit of mic feedback. Mm-hmm. My apologies. I'm not very tech-savvy. Mm-hmm. But hopefully when uh, my brother gets me set up, I'll uh, have a little more control on that. Right. But, um, but you know, you get things where things go wrong or, 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 or something messes up. and Right. You don't see it. You don't notice it until after or something mm-hmm. like that. But uh, all yeah. you can do is improve. You can yep. keep moving forward. Yeah. And I don't look at any. I don't look at any of my interviews as mistakes. You know. Right. You know, I um, I didn't. Uh, I. Um, I look at them as lessons learned. Mm-hmm. Every one of my interviews has got stuff I'm proud of. Right. There's some of them I could think, you know, I wish I'd done this differently or that differently, but I could still listen to it because right. it's how it was done at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my, a couple. Of, I had a couple of uh, embarrassing moments. I remember uh, I interviewed um, uh, Tiffany Helm and. She was talking about her younger days and about how she was into drugs and how she was into um, how she was like in, like different like you know goth type, listen to that grudge type of music or whatever it was. And I, this was a long time ago, so I don't remember exactly how she worded it. But she mentioned she was a big fan of Sid Vicious, the singer, but she didn't say the singer. She said Sid Vicious, and I'm like, you mean the wrestler? And I thought like I was like she's like no the singer. To this day, that sneak peek, I have a sneak peek on my YouTube of the interview, and I forgot to remove that part out of the interview. And uh, and I get so many people commenting, how do you not know who the fuck Sid Vicious is? Well, I would say the same thing, you know. That Sid Vicious is more famous than Sid Vicious the wrestler. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I don't know what I was thinking, but that that was one incident. What was the other one? Um, there was another one I thought of too. Um, hold on, let me think of that one quick. Uh, I'll get back to it. But uh, yeah, that that was a pretty embarrassing moment um, that I thought of. Um, I had like I some of my interviews. I had Terry Kaiser on played Doc, Bad News Cruise, and he was in Weekend at Bernie's. Mm-hmm. I, I interviewed him, and like that one, you can hear him good. But in the first maybe five minutes, you can hear me, but you can't hear him. And that's when I got set up on my new microphone. And I set up the microphone. I did a mic check, and you can hear me, but you couldn't hear the guest. And the reason why is because I didn't have the sound bite 
going over to them like that their mm-hmm. voice could be heard as well it was only my voice and I, the only way I could test that is testing it on somebody else and that was the first time I've ever seen a microphone do that I never had issues with a microphone before other than that one so there's a couple interviews that I had to, that I had to do that um, to get used to that and thank god I don't have that microphone anymore because that's a pain in the butt but but that was uh, one embarrassing moment that was with Sid Vicious when she mentioned about Sid Vicious oh my gosh I was like oh my god I'm mortified um, but yeah, that was uh, one of them. Um, there was another one I thought of too, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. But, but I mean, I think of it as you know, as a learning curve. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things that happens, and you know, you kind of uh, move on from it. I mean, we're only human as well, and we're only. Oh, that's the other one. Now I remember it. So I interviewed Alex Vincent, young Andy Barclay, and you know, Child's Play. And uh, I uh, mentioned he, uh, I was asking him what it was like to work with. Catherine Hicks, you know, his mom and in the movie. And uh, I end up saying Catherine Parks, who played Vera Sanchez in Friday the 13th Part 3. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, you mean Catherine Hicks? I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking of Catherine Parks from Friday the 13th Part 3, and I don't know why. And I have it right on my paper, too. I don't know why I said it wrong. And he's like, it's fine, it's fine. And, and Oh, and another one with Alex Vincent. I uh, I actually called him Andy Barclay when I introduced him to the show instead of Alex Vincent. <laughs> he laughed. He's like, don't worry about it. He said, he said, uh, he said, I, could t- like, I didn't call him Andy Barclay. I almost did. I went like, please welcome my guest, Andy B- uh, Alex Vincent, he's like, you were going to call me Andy Barclay, weren't you? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And he goes, don't worry about it. He said, he said uh, about, you know, three decades or whatever later, you get used to those things happening all the time. You're Alex Vincent, but everybody you know, calls you Andy. Uh, some, sometimes that happens. Because, yeah. Uh, sometimes you get a guest that's got a really, a name that you're not familiar with. Right. I remember I interviewed Michael Beignet, who was one of the thugs in Jason Takes Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, I ended up having to redo what my introduction to him because I mispronounced his name. Uh-huh. But when you're not familiar with certain names, you know, and most people are pretty cool about it, you know. Yeah. Like like Antonia Franceschi was pretty cool about it. And she had to correct me on her last name, but yep. she uh, she was really cool about it, you know. Right. And uh, not not that the, the Jason Takes Manhattan guy wasn't, but... Uh, you know, I, I think it's a matter of, you know, you got to get the person's name right, and sometimes it can be uh, a test. Cause right. At the time, you're just thinking about do, getting the interview. Right. You're not really thinking about that at the time. Right. Another one was, and yeah. you you helped me with with how to figure out how to how to remember to pronounce his name, but Ira Hayden. I, I pronounced him Ira Heaton, and I told you this when we were on the phone after the interview, and you said, yeah, just think of it as Hayden Go Seek, Ira Hayden. Oh, he was funny. He was cool. I, 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 I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to get him to fight Harry Potter. <laughs> the wizard master versus Harry Potter. Nice. And then another one that had a really tricky name. Now, I pronounced the name right because I knew I wasn't going to get this right. I knew it wasn't pronounced the way it looked. I knew it 100%. But it was, she played Amanda in Friday the 13th, 2009. And uh, her name is Amarika Alevio. And it looks, and I asked her before we started recording, I'm like, I know your name isn't, isn't as easy as it looks. I know your name is not America Olivo. 
She's like, you're right. It is not America Olivo. It is America Olivio or something like that. It was like, oh, my God. What was the, who, who was this? She played Amanda in 2009, the one that got burned in the sleeping bag over the campfire. Oh. Yes. Okay. A- and the funny thing is, she is the sister-in-law of, wait for this, Nev Campbell. Yes. Always like that Nev Campbell uh, has something I like that I like on Emma Stone. She's got those cute nose freckles. You know? <laughs> and I wanted to interview uh, Nev Campbell, and I reached out to Amarika about a year after I interviewed her, and she remembered me, and she said I loved your podcast because it was like a, one of few interviews that I've done that I was able to actually talk about my sexuality and like doing nude shoots and nude scenes and all that because a lot of people frown upon that with you know their viewership and I give it I let anybody you know I have the option of doing a clean a clean podcast an explicit podcast or a not rated version and I usually rate it clean unless we talk about nudity or we talk about you know there's a lot of swearing or something and uh, then it's explicit but um, she liked doing that she remembered my podcast because I was one of a few to stand out because I did let her talk about those scenes and about how she got into Friday the 13th because originally they had I guess she was a Muslim and it was against her religion to do the rubbing baby oil on your you know boobs scene so she dropped out and then uh, Marika got involved um, through Nick Menel um, he was in the movie and he was friends with her and he got her on uh, into the movie and um and I reached out to her a year later and asked her if she can get me an interview with Nev Campbell. And she said, yeah, I'll, I'll send her – I'll give her a call. And she called her and she sent me an email back and said, Nev would love to do your show. But right now it's going to be hard because she's very booked with uh, – because at the time I believe um, they were in – she was like filming something. I forget what it was. And then she said she'll let me know. And I reached – and then she reached out to me like maybe a year later and she said she still is interested in doing the interview. Don't think she's holding me off. She's just very busy between conventions and everything. And now she's She's busy because of Scream 5 and of COVID. She's not doing many publicities because of both of those. So she, me and her still keep in touch. It's just the fact that she's very busy. I don't want to be rude. I'm just going to vacuum these rugs. But keep yep. asking me your questions, All right. okay? Yep, not a problem. I have Actually, I have only two more questions. Oh, three more questions. The first two um, okay. actually are, what horror movie... No problem. What horror movie is your favorite, and what one is your least favorite, and why? What what horror movie is my favorite? Which one's my least favorite? Yep, and why? Well, horror movie or horror franchise? Let's do both. Well, for horror movie, I think my favorite is probably John Carpenter's Halloween. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, I also... I love Dress to Kill, love Suspiria, love Miss 45. I could go into so many. Right. You know, Black Christmas. You know, there's so many. Right. But um, in terms of favorite franchise, probably the Friday the 13th franchise, yep. simply because uh, I grew up with them. Uh-huh. But here's the thing with uh, Friday the 13th. Not one of those films is as good as the original Halloween. Right. <laughs> exactly. Although, although Friday the 13th, I think there's some that are better than others. Like, yep. Jason Lives in the final chapter, to me, I think are very solid. You told me your favorite but, was Jason Takes Manhattan and Jason X. What the hell, man? 
Okay, you got to watch that ranking video. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did watch it. I love. I, I knew that them two were going to be at the bottom of the list. <laughs> um, Jason Takes Manhattan was not at the bottom. It was third from the bottom. Yes, third from the bottom. Yeah, yep. I got more dislikes than likes on that right now because I, I guess you can't have an opinion, but yeah. Jason X was my lowest. Yeah. I just, I, like, Jason lives is funny, but it's funny in a way that works. Yeah. Whereas Jason X is just fucking stupid. It's corny. It's it's not like yeah. it's not funny in a horror comedic type of way. That you know, yeah. Nope, it is not. Yeah. Nothing I'd see about it. And the new blood, I had a lot of issues with that. I think they should have kept the character of Nick right out of the movie. Or kill him early. <laughs> well, look, I got nothing against the actor. Yeah. But the whole thing with a final girl is a final girl's vulnerability. Now, of course, I ignore that with Jason Liz, but Jason Liz, I think have one of the better screenplays that has some tight characters. Right. But uh, I can't say the same thing about some of the later films. Mm-hmm. But I had a major problem. Here, I'm going to shut the vacuum off here now. <laughs> My apologies for that. Not a problem. I kind of have to vacuum this floor up. <laughs> Not a problem. As I said, I'm an essential worker. <laughs> that's what I do for money right now is I clean I do not monetize my interviews because um, I've heard a lot of my guests have been taken advantage of either by bad management or mm-hmm. people or they're not getting the residuals they need and mm-hmm. or they should have and right. yeah and when somebody does my show it's an honor for me because I was like last in my class mm-hmm. growing up in school. I was not uh, an honor student. Um, there was stuff I was good at, mm-hmm. but school was not fun for me. But when somebody does my show, I consider it such an honor. And I really, mm-hmm. uh, I love it. Uh, I don't want to be one of these people who takes advantage of them. Right. So I, yeah, so right. mine's not monetized. That would be different if somebody was paying me to do it, but I haven't exactly reached out for that. Right. But anyway, that kind of gets me off topic about your question. <laughs> but yeah, I love the Friday the 13th franchise, but as a film critic, a lot of them would probably get a thumbs down. Yeah. But I guess that's part of the, part of the course. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But... I do think Jason Lives is great. And I think the final chapter is a solid slasher film. In fact, I think right. it's the scariest one of the bunch. Yeah. And what about your least Ted favorite White. film and least Ted favorite White, franchise? Speaking of great interviews, I've interviewed Ted White, who played Jason, in the final chapter. <laughs> and I'll tell you, that that was one of the finest interviews I'd done. That guy had stories. Nice. <laughs> what an honor it was to interview nice. him, not once but twice. Yeah. Great guy. Yeah. All right. So what about your least favorite movie and least favorite franchise? Least favorite? Yeah. In general or just horror? Horror. 
Because I gotta say, my least favorite movie is probably Pearl Harbor because that's a piece of shit. <laughs> but that's uh, yeah. But I won't get into that. <laughs> um, I don't know. My least favorite. I've seen some horror films. That I think were pretty bad. Um, yeah. I don't. I'm not big on shaky cameras. Mm-hmm. Like the Blair Witch sequels were pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Mama was a joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. What about the Leprechaun you know, series? Uh, Leprechaun movies? Yeah. I haven't exactly uh, got into those. Oh. I mean, Troll 2 is pretty bad. <laughs> but you know what? As bad as Troll 2 is, I would love to interview somebody from it. Right. Just because of its legacy. Sometimes a bad movie still makes for a great interview, you yeah. know? If you want oh, to talk yeah. about bad movies, do you ever see Thanks Killing? Nope. So basically, it, I know which one I, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, basically, I mean, my is, first interview was with Tommy Wiseau from the room, and the, the room is notoriously bad. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like Thanks Killing has it was like a, I think it was like a three hundred dollar budget, and it had um, like two hundred dollars of that probably went to making the turkey, the killer turkey, which was a horribly horribly done CGI killer turkey. Yeah. But it uh, it was horrible, and it has three movies in the franchise, or if you want to call it a franchise, trilogy, whatever. And it also went to Broadway as a musical, believe it or not. <laughs> I don't know what my least favorite uh, uh, franchise is because I haven't really dove into them all. Mm-hmm. Like I know I haven't I haven't seen all the Child's Play, as I haven't seen all the Hellraisers. I'm not a big fan of the Hellraiser franchise. I respect the first one. Mm-hmm. I've seen the fourth one in the theater, and I thought it was dog shit. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. Jason X is pretty much one of the worst. <laughs> I'll say that. Your, uh, favorite, uh, your favorite movie is Titanic, right? <laughs> I thought Titanic was well made, but it's basically Romeo and Juliet on a boat. Yeah. Japanese characters in that movie mm-hmm. and people wonder why I call it racist because they tried to sell it to Japan as a love story that's right. why the movie was <laughs> dog shit and I think the people that made it uh, should have known better yeah um, Apocalypse Now Platoon those are great war movies right. uh, Pearl Harbor is a piece of shit in yeah. fact it's lower than shit but <laughs> Titanic Titanic was at least well made yeah you know, um, but I didn't find the characters all that interesting. Maybe mm-hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, he had some backstory and whatnot, but I thought Billy Zane's character in it was a joke. Yeah. Run after shooting, and he showed no emotion at all. <laughs> uh, a lot of the characters were just what you call caricatures, you know? They're, yeah. You know, I thought the production value and the work that Jim Cameron did in it was fine. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I saw Titanic, I saw it on a double billing with Tomorrow Never Dies, the James mm-hmm. Bond film. And I saw Titanic first, I'm glad. And people were like ripping open boxes of Kleenexes. And <laughs> I was trying to stay, I was trying to fucking stay awake during that movie. <laughs> like that. I'm sorry, but that third act just dragged on and on and on. It's like, okay, I got the message. 
you know? Right. You know, it's, I don't know. It's got, got to be a spectacle. I, like, I don't think Titanic's a, a D-level film, but I'd probably put it in the C-level film, you mm-hmm. know? Right. I, I, don't, I, I thought it was overrated. For James Cameron, I don't think it's as good as Terminator. I don't think it's as good as Avatar. Right. Or Aliens, for that matter, you know? Right. But um, so a lot of people like Titanic. I'm not going to argue with them. Yep. I don't think it's gone with the wind. Right. Um, but when I saw Tomorrow Never Dies, which for uh, James Bond, I think it's the best one that Pierce Bronson did. Mm-hmm. Um, that woke me up. I didn't, I didn't feel like dozing off. Right. And tomorrow never dies. <laughs> I had a great time at that. Mm-hmm. But Titanic, I saw the one time. I respect what it uh, did in terms of its uh, box office, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It right. just there's people. I know people that recommend that movie just because of its box office. Well, it has to be a great movie. So many people went to see it, which is really lame for me when I hear people <laughs> say that. Right. Because. They have no concept to what cult films are. And I'll Mm -hmm. give you a good example. 1998, uh, one of the highest grossing films of the year was a piece of junk called Armageddon. Speaking (laughs) of Michael Bay movies. Armageddon, that's what people were crowding to go see. Armageddon. Mm -hmm. What people weren't clamoring to go see were films that I did go see like The Big Lebowski, mm-hmm. uh, Dark City, uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. What's interesting, The Big Lebowski has got a such a major, major following right now. Mm-hmm. Like, it is more popular than, uh, than uh, Armageddon will ever be. Right. Um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas was a box office flop when it came out. Mm-hmm. Guess what? <laughs> I've seen it at a midnight screening, and it was packed. Nice. Because people saw it afterwards. I was like, man, this is great. Uh-huh. And then you get, you know, Dark City. People are discovering Dark City. And and um, the same guy who directed The Crow. But I think Dark City was better than The Crow. Nothing against The Crow, but, fuck, Dark City was just <laughs> twisted and innovative, you know? Right. And in 1999, highest-grossing film was Phantom Menace. Right. Boy, a lot of us were regretting that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing. Uh, Office Space came out that same year. Mm-hmm. It, came, it came and went. But boy, it's got a major cult following now. Mm-hmm. I've interviewed two people from Office Space. Nice. Office Space was witty and funny. But it wasn't on everybody's drink cups at the fast food restaurant, you know? Right. A lot of it is heavy advertising. Right. And I'll give you another example. I got so tired of movies in 2001, and Pearl Harbor was one of the reasons why. I hated that movie with such a passion. I walked out angry from that movie. <laughs> and other movies like Freddy Got Fingered and uh, Corky Ramono. I was like, why am I sitting through such shit? <laughs> you know? Right. Where down at the university, 
where they had at the time the Capitol Film Society, mm-hmm. they were playing some gems. I saw a gold mine of films down there. Uh, I was introduced to that, and I saw Mulholland Drive, mm-hmm. which is so much a better a film than Pearl Harbor. I saw Amelie, which not only was romantic, but so innovative, you know? Mm-hmm. Amelie is a beautiful film. Right. Much better than Corky Romano. Mm-hmm. I saw Gosford Park by Robert Altman. What, a, what an interesting film that was. Better than Corky Romano. Right. But, you know, studios do not know how to handle these films. Mm-hmm. They certainly don't know how to handle directors like David Lynch, you know? Mm-hmm. But these are filmmakers that inspire me or compel me that move my imagination, you right. know? Yeah. Yeah. So when I hear somebody say, well, it's a box office. Fans decide. Well, you know what? After, uh, there's a lot of these movies that make so much money, and then people end up forgetting about them. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, you know, you don't hear people talk about Armageddon. Right. But you do hear, you definitely hear people talk about The Big Lebowski. Yeah, or Friday the 13th, even. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but Friday the 13th was uh, a hit when it came out. That is true. I mean, The Big Lebowski was not a flop, but it wasn't advertised. Like, they were using Fargo to advertise it, because Fargo had had won some Oscars, but Fargo wasn't heavily uh, promoted either, you know? Yep. But, 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 uh, Armageddon, I could care less. I've ever seen that. In fact, I don't want to. That and Deep Impact were came out the same year, basically the same stupid movie. <laughs> Whereas The Big Lebowski, I'll watch that anytime because it's right. so innovative. In fact, I remember when I went to uh, Toronto last year for Rama. See, I don't drink. Mm-hmm. I'll have you know, uh, a glass of wine once in a while, but I don't really drink, but... I remember I was uh, meeting Lisa Langlois from class of 1984. Mm-hmm. Every time I go to Toronto, she and I get together. Right. Because, uh, you know, we keep in touch. We met at a restaurant, and uh, we ordered, and she was having a glass of wine, and I was like, oh, I don't know what to have to drink. And she goes, <laughs> well, you're a big fan of the Big Lebowski. Why not get a white Russian? And I looked at the wait the waitress and I said, Can you do that? She said, Yeah. I was like, Okay, I wanna try that. <laughs> See if the two divides. Right, exactly. And, uh, I was hooked. I loved it. Nice. First time I ever had a white Russian and I loved it. You know, That's I awesome. don't drink them often but I loved it. And right. uh it's interesting the big Lebowski's got this whole thing behind it. Armageddon doesn't. Doesn't matter how much money it pulled in. Mm-hmm. Right. There's nothing about it. They can have sex with as many animal crackers they want to. <laughs> <laughs> that stupid scene. It, it, it did nothing. Right. So, so a lot of times, these cult films are the ones. Yeah. That end up. I just saw, for example, I saw Freaky. I went to Freaky twice. Right. And it's from the same. Uh, person that made Happy Death Day, which I also enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Freaky was interesting. 
Freaky was fun. Mm -hmm. I like movies where the filmmaker can try to be innovative, try to be fun. That's why I loved Alfred Hitchcock. That's why I loved Stanley Kubrick and people like that. Right. Because of the way the way they tell told a story based on how they shot their films. Mm -hmm. They were amazing filmmakers. Yep. They were amazing filmmakers. Right. And they're the they're the kind of people that that uh, they're the kind of people I really want to look up to. And right. If I was making a film, that's why I'd want a copy is what they were doing. <laughs> you know. Yep. So the last yeah. question, the last question I got for you is, um, do you, like, let everybody know where they can listen to Python's Paradise or any social media or websites they can find you you at. Gee, that's your last question. I'm just walking up to work. Wow. <laughs> well, first off, I apologize about the vacuum, but vacuum uh, cleaning, I had to run that because, I, like I said, oh, yeah. I've been working through this whole pandemic. So, uh, mm -hmm. personally, I think cleaners should be paid a lot more than they are. I'll tell yeah. you that. Because I tell you, cleaners put up with a lot. Yeah. But yeah, like I think cleaners should be put up there right with. Uh, I put them right up there with all these other uh, high-paying jobs. But mm -hmm. nonetheless, I have a lot of I have a new respect for cleaners. But yep. in terms of my social media, I don't have a web page. As for, but if you want to hear my interviews. You can find them on YouTube, uh, Python's Paradise. Mm -hmm. um, look under Greg Gilbert, my real name, because uh, you don't want to end up finding a site that's about pet care. <laughs> <laughs> Sneak care. Uh, there is, there, well, there is no Python's Paradise like that, but, but um, I have uh, looked it up before and, You'd see these videos go up on how to care for your snake. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, nice. and, and, and st stuff like that. But uh, right. my stuff's on YouTube. It's the best way to find it. And uh, uh, I do have Facebook. Um, I generally will, when it comes to adding people, if I have a lot of friends in common with other people, I'll add them. I'm very skeptical and adding people's got like one friend in common with me but mm -hmm. but i go um i do have a facebook page i have uh youtube if you want to listen to my interviews mm -hmm. and uh my the best way to listen to them is either when you're in the car or uh or when you're uh when you're in the car or when you're doing something on the computer and you just kind of have it on, you know? Right. Yeah, because I don't cut my interviews into segments. Like if an interview is three hours long, it's going to be three hours long on YouTube. Right. Um, yeah. I, they say today that uh, the attention span of people is so low, and I'm like, I don't want to hear that excuse. <laughs> if somebody's invested to listen to an interview – They'll listen to it, yeah. Or they'll come, or they'll come back to it. Exactly. If not, then you know what? It's not my problem. You right. know. <laughs> exactly. But I got the YouTube channel now. 
I just got introduced to Instagram. So many people have been asking me to do Instagram. And uh, I'm probably going to get more involved with that in January. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been right. just, I got so many other things going on. Right. And uh, yeah, especially with family. So, but if you want to check out Python's Paradise, go on YouTube, mm-hmm. and that's where I have it. And uh, I, I can say this: I have, um, I have, uh, I put up a new interview every five days, mm-hmm. every five or six days. So, right. So uh, the twenty twenty ones are not up there right yet. <laughs> I have them, but they won't go up until the time comes. Right. So that's the best way to find uh, to listen to my stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing we should should mention, of course, Doubtfire Challenge. Something the Doubtfire Face yep. Challenge. I was, that was that was the th- the last thing I was going to close off with. You want to mention about the Doubtfire Challenge before we end it? You know what? It's funny because I grew up with that type of humor. I always loved it. and uh the ice bucket challenge i never did it i was never nominated for it but it's funny because my dad has als but i was i never got the whole dumping the water over the head thing you know and everybody went out and did it Mm -hmm. and they did it just because it was trending i never caught on to that at the time Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, they got all the celebrities involved with this. I was so impressed. I was like, when Robin Williams passed away or took his life, it was sad because I always liked Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. But it, but it was the whole suicide and depression thing. And another challenge came up called the Doubtfire Face Challenge, which involved you taking a pie in the face mm-hmm. and nominating three people. Right. And I've been tr- struggling to get the industry involved with that. What gets me is I get people saying, that's not going to catch on. And I'm like, well, if the other one catches on, this one can catch on. It's like I get I get really tired. Like people will do stupid Tide Pod challenge. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason for it. Talk about dangerous. Yeah, it's done by stupid people. <laughs> but with the ice bucket challenge, which was, what was interesting about it is that it was, even if people didn't know what ALS was, and most people didn't, right. um, what was interesting about it is that it affected, it rose money and awareness for mm-hmm. that charity. Right. So what... Um, I've suffered from depression, not suicide. I come from a Christian household, so I would have to really <laughs> to commit suicide. It's like once your life is gone, I stand before God. And then yeah. uh, it's like I don't know if I – yeah, I, I I prefer he see me through my problems. Right. But, but in terms of uh, – in terms of uh, depression, I've been hit with it bad periodically throughout mm-hmm. my life, and I'm going to tell you it's hard. Mm-hmm. So when I heard about the Doubtfire Face Challenge, number one, great. 
suicide and depression. And two, I used to love Nickelodeon shows and stuff that involved people being slimed or pied in the face. Mm-hmm. I won't do the slime thing, you know, because I a pie in the face is a lot less offensive, you know, and it's a lot more fun. Right. I remember when I first started it, my aim was to get Emma Stone to do it, but I think that's aiming a little high. <laughs> but yeah. I did decide, well, Emma would be a great target because she's freaking hilarious. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but um, I had to look realistically and think, let's see if I could get people people I've interviewed to do it. And I think it uh, was one thing that brought me closer together with people like Lisa Langlois, a class of 1984, and Nancy <clears throat> McLaughlin of Friday mm-hmm. the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives. They both did the challenge. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, actually, Nancy did it right in front of props from Jason Lives, which is cool. <laughs> um, Sandy Johnson did it just before lockdown. And mm-hmm. hers was hilarious. Her husband was dressed up like Michael Myers. <laughs> <laughs> hers was so good. And I, you know, I often, what I do when one of my guests does it, is I'll, I'll donate to the charity of their choice in return, mm-hmm. you know. But Lisa Langlois was the single mom's planet. And uh, with uh, Nancy, it was a homeless uh, shelter. And... Uh, uh, Sandy Johnson, it was uh, uh, for families that were affected by people at 9-11 who mm-hmm. were uh, uh, first responders that were caught in the tunnels. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I would do that. And um, I got you to do it. Yep. And Sandy Johnson, Sandy Johnson nominated Nick Castle, PJ Souls, and Felissa Rose. Um I, I got to see if I can follow up on those, but I pitched it out on 13 Fanboy, and Ron Sloan did it, uh, Jason Bradford did it, Noelle mm-hmm. Berger did it, um, a bunch of people. Yeah, we, we, did it, people. We, we did it. Various people. We did it for the. We I remember I uh, we issued it to the cast of Samhain, which is my movie, and we had Amanda Sawyer and Tyler Ebert, Brett Harris, Gage Harris. Oh. Tyler Ebert is hilarious because he took the remaining of his pie and belted his sister with it because <laughs> she was laughing at him. Uh, <laughs> he, was, he was just being the annoying sister and he was like, took the pie like, wow! <laughs> I thought that was funny. That was oh, I great. thought that was funny. That's that was one. I think Amanda Sawyer's going to do hers again. Hers was kind of a cheat when you stop and look at it. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think you would let her off? Maybe we can pitch it to her again. Pitch it to her again. She needs to take a pie, not rub a little bit of shaving cream on her face <laughs> with her hand, you know? <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, uh, and just this the bugger in general, because, you know, it's fun. You yeah. did traumatize her in that movie, uh, <laughs> Salem, because she saw you in her, your underwear, and she said that she wasn't acting during that scene. <laughs> yep. <laughs> She said it scared her. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was good. And, yeah, it was funny. And if you look close, if you closely look at the underwear, it has my face all over it. So again, I wonder about your mentality to do that. <laughs> <laughs> 
think he, I think you scarred t- Tyler Ebert with that too. Yeah, was, but making the movie, it was fun. It, it really was. We became a close family, and you know, we we really did. And then we created a small, a short film like a Friday the Thirteenth fan film, nothing major or anything like that. Um, and uh, we ended up. Uh, it was called Friday the Thirteenth Dead Before Dusk, and that's free on YouTube. And it was just something small we did just to keep people interested. And uh, like we all became a really close family, and we have a couple other works in pre-production. And uh, like it, it's great that like the Doubtfire Challenge reached my cast and crew. Like it reached you know the Amanda well, Sawyer's well, and that. Bobby Heckman said that when he does it shoots on Victim No More, he's going to do it. And yep. He said uh, if he does it, he said Jill Whitlow will definitely do it. Nice. nice. And he did say that there's at least one other big cast member that he thinks will do it as well. Awesome. Awesome. You know? Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, and there's people I've nominated that have not done it yet. But a lot of it's because of COVID, you know? Yeah. Like Adrian King's been nominated, I think, four if not five times. Right. Um uh, Debbie Sukvorhees has been nominated. I nominated and, uh, Shavar Ross, Jennifer Bonko, and Melanie Kinnaman, and Laura Park Lincoln. Yeah. 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 Uh, Tracy Savage, uh, Vincent DeSante, mm-hmm. um, various people. I believe they will do it. It's just a matter of yeah. when Tracy Savage said she would. Judy Aronson. Um, Judy Aronson, yeah, she's. Uh, I actually pitched it out to people on Cameo because yep. I figured, well, they're getting money. I was like, I, I'm not going to pitch money out to people for a shout out, but I thought, let's try Cameo. <clears throat> I was disappointed at a couple of responses from people that are heavily into depression and anxiety, and it's like I don't believe a word that comes out of their mouth anymore because it's like, really? Yep. But Tori Wilson certainly got it. Yeah, she did it. Oh, she did it, yeah. Yep. Tori Wilson did it. Uh, Roddy Piper's daughter, Ariel, she did it. Yeah. And uh, Ariel was so great because the time limit ran out on the uh, the cameo. Mm-hmm. But she and I text occasionally. And she said that she would still do it mm-hmm. because I've donated to uh, one of her charities before, and and uh, Ariel did it free of charge, which I thought was so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And she was a lot of fun. I had um, from the Howard Stern uh, show, uh, Brent and Caitlin Hatley did it, and so many people trashed them for it <laughs> because they're swingers, and yeah. I I was like, wow. Wow. They, 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 I, I, I reached out because I found Caitlin on Cameo and I said, can you get Brent into it as well? And they both did it and they were sincere mm-hmm. and I loved them for it. Right. Bobo was another guy from the Howard Stern show that always gets trashed. Mm-hmm. And he did the challenge. I thought it was amazing. Just give me a sec. I'm ordering a couple coffees here, but uh, <laughs> just stick with me here. You can keep this in if you want. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I'm ahead of Tim Horton. Hello? Yes, I'll have uh, an extra large triple triple coffee and an extra large triple triple steep tea, please. That's it. Thank you.
Dear Scotty, you got me ordering Tim Hortons. That's our, basically our, our, our kind of Starbucks here. You guys don't have Tim Hortons in the, the U.S., do you? I'm not sure if we have it in the U.S., and no, I never heard of it in Pennsylvania or Maryland, where I, li- I live in both places, so I never heard of well, it you, you ne- Well, in your neck of the woods, you never heard of clothes. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I had to throw that in there. Yes, you did. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. You have a great relationship with your parents, i got to say that. I do, and I wrote a book about my daddy's battling stage 4 brain cancer, and we discussed that on your show as well, and uh, it's a remarkable story. It really is. It won New York Times Best... It was, like, awarded New York Times Bestseller um, and everything, so definitely check out. It's called Christ Defeats Cancer, and Christ Defeats Cancer 2, The Battle Continues. So uh, check those out on Amazon as well, and I also have a couple of horror Friday um, horror trivia books out there: the Ultimate Friday the Thirteenth trivia book, the Ultimate uh, Halloween trivia book, and the Ultimate Halloween trivia book Second Edition. Um, And I will be working on a third edition that would have been released this time already. Already, but uh, with COVID shutting down and uh, you know Halloween Kills not out, can't add another edition into the into the mix. So. You know that'll be inserted a little a little later. Um, you know, probably next year. But yeah, had to throw some plugs but out yeah, there. Yeah, I um, I'm I'm still pitching the Doubtfire Face Challenge, mm-hmm. but I've slowed down on it a little bit because uh, here in New Brunswick we've handled COVID well. We're in the yellow phase right now, mm-hmm. and uh, we've. Only had a handful of deaths, I think, here. Mm-hmm. But we got the jump on it here in New Brunswick. Yeah. And uh, I've still worked through it. But um, I think with me, I had to stop pitching it out on Cameo to people because I don't know what it's like where they are. Can they get to a store? To get a mm-hmm. pie to do it, or whipped cream, or whatever. I mean, Tori Wilson obviously was able to do it, right? But um, I've had one or two people respond to me, said they couldn't do it because of that, and I ended up losing that money. Yikes! So, yeah, and I don't fault them. They at least they responded, but but um, yeah, but. Um, I had to hold off because I don't know what it's like where they are, you know? Yep. Like, I'm just here in this New Brunswick, Canada. Yep. So. And, like, in Pennsylvania and Maryland, stores are opened. You can go in with a mask on. But out in California, they're all under lockdown, curfewed. And, like, a lot of stores are closed be- uh, uh, because of it, you know? So it really yeah. varies what state you live in. And some celebrities are in states that, you know, they can get to the store and some they're locked down and they don't, or they don't feel safe to do so. Yeah. So I, I've had to kind of pull back, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you one thing, Sandy Johnson, I interviewed back in February and she did the doubtfire challenge before the lockdown. And, uh, what had happened was after COVID hit bad, she put the, uh, doubtfire challenge she did on Facebook just to cheer people up, yep. give people something to laugh at. Mm-hmm. And the response to that was so overwhelmingly positive. Right. Like people were saying, wow, I, I needed this today. Mm-hmm. They said, this, this was very funny. You right. know, thank you for this, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, 
I, I, I thought that was wonderful. You know, yeah. Sandy's a, a beautiful soul. Right. And she really is. Yeah. I, I interviewed her. She's a great person. Um, she really is an, an amazing lady. But uh, I'm going to wrap yeah. this interview up now. Uh, we're brushing. We're a little over an hour and a half now. Um, I do have, I hate to wrap it up so soon, but, uh, oh, you know, it's been an hour and a half. But I hate to wrap it up, but I have to be up at, like, 4.30 in the morning. So I'm going to – this is an impromptu interview. We're, so we were scheduled for Wednesday, but I'm uh, using a couple of hours PTO time uh, tomorrow morning for off of work so I can drive back to Pennsylvania from Maryland so I can beat the, you know – 24 whatever inches of snow that they're calling for so that's my end goal is to uh is to get home asap and in order to do that i need to wake up early um so i can use my hours for work but uh but um so you mentioned to me doing this interview tonight instead of waiting till january which i'm like i was thinking of that but i thought you were only free wednesday and that's why i canceled originally and then it worked i I, I just kind of thought about it i was like Right. And I just kind of hit, it kind of hit me today. I was like, what if Scotty wants to do that now? I mean, I was open for January. That's when I'm having you on. Right. I always have you on in January. Yep. But, um. Yeah. But I, I just thought, I just, it just came to mind to me. And I was like, oh, let's do it tonight. I could do that and work. I mean, I'm sorry for the vacuum cleaner sound. But that <laughs> could be helped. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you know? it, it went well. And, and uh. I don't, I don't. Right, exactly. Go right ahead. It doesn't bother me. You can even keep my little Tim Hortons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can yeah. keep that in. I, I, I don't mind that. It's good advertisement for Tim Hortons for any, any people in the United States that come here to visit. <laughs> exactly. People, exactly. Here, here, in, here in Canada, it's not, we got we got to get our morning coffee. It's we got to get our Timmy's. <laughs> nice. Well, that's what it is here in Canada. Nice. And I know that, and I know that like, I'll be, I'll be putting this on iTunes and all that tonight. Um, uh, oh, I might not even do it tonight. I might even do it tomorrow when I get to my parents' place after I'm done work and everything. I'm going to save it though and put it on my external hard drive. And then I'll be taking my external, like the audio file. And then I'll take the external hard drive with me and then I'll be able to upload yeah, it tomorrow. That. that way I can make sure I get Actually, my full sleep in. Guess I want to have on the show. Speaking of Canada, I would love to get the Trailer Park Boys. There you go. There you go. I would love to get the Trailer Park Boys. That would be awesome. And for those those I don't know who they are, they've done three movies, and they've got a TV show that's still going. I think they're hilarious. Right. But their movie Swear Net. Forget about the Wolf of Wall Net. Wall Street, excuse me. Swear Net holds the the record of the most f bombs wow. in a single movie 935 nice <laughs> crazy uh, <laughs> yeah all right yeah. well thank you greg for uh joining me on my show i'm glad that i was able to have you on after i've been on your shows going on five times it was great to have you on mine for a change well you know what i'll do it again absolutely time, you know absolutely thank you so much well, it's my pleasure. All right, it's you my have pleasure. you have a great rest of your night.
Well, you lock your door. I don't want to see pictures on Facebook of you laying in your bathroom. Sounds good. Uh, with your mouth hung open, with your tongue lolled out, snoring. Sounds like a plan. Thank you, Greg. Who, who is it, your mom or your dad that does that? Who's I think, the jokester? I think my dad. My da- that's, my, that's more my dad's tempo. You know what? You have great inter- a great relationship with your parents. I'm yeah, like I do. Yep, exactly. You guys have a great relationship. We we do. Yeah. We're very close, which is which makes me happy because I love them more than anything, and it's great to have that relationship with them because not a lot of people do. Nope, they don't. All right. Well, well God bless. God bless you, man. Thank and, you. Uh, I was honored to do this. I look forward to to hearing it. Thank you so much. All right. See you, Greg. All right. You take it easy. You man. too. Bye. Yeah, bye. Bye.